a personal principle. Amen. Three messages, and I'm going to show you, amen. And the good thing about it is there's some things that Bible called the law, shadows and types and allegories and things of that nature. But the Bible talks about we're free from the law. Amen. But there was things that God communicated us through the law. And through Genesis and throughout the whole scripture, there's things that's in God's heart. Amen. That he wanted us to know. And the Bible said the law was given as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Amen. It was put in place for a time. How many of you know there's dispensations and times and you got to rightly divide the word power. you got to sort it out. Somebody say sort it out. So you got to sort it out. you got to know what God is speaking to who and we. Amen. Because some things don't apply and some things, even though they don't apply, once you learn the heart behind it and God's mind behind it, you get the spirit behind it and then you learn how to let it bless your life. Amen. So before I get into that, amen, I want to share something with you that God put on my heart. What I'm going to be talking about the message, the teaching series. Amen. That's going to be three messages, but I want to give you a little exhortation while you're standing up. Amen. If you have your Bible, shoot over here to First Kings chapter 7. First Kings, shoot over there right quick. This is a little prophetic exhortation. This God is going to tell somebody to do something. Amen. I'm going to read this passage to you. Verses, I want to say 1 to 7. Amen. Let's go over here to verse Second Kings, Second Kings. Y'all get the Second Kings with me. Second Kings, chapter seven, verses one to nine, and I'm gonna read these verses. Amen. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by whirlwind, that Elijah the Tishbite. Let me see, I want chapter 7, I need chapter 2, hold on. See what that's going to be doing. <laughs> then Elijah said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Somebody look at your name and say, hear ye. Are you here? The word of the Lord. Thus said the Lord. Somebody say, God got something to say. But tomorrow about this time, Shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shepherd, and two measures of barley for a shepherd in the day of Samaria? But when the Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it. With thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat there. Somebody say, you got to believe what God is saying. And there were four leprous men at the end and end of the day. And they said one to another. And somebody asked your neighbor, say, neighbor, are you going to just sit there and die? If we say, now look at the reasoning. We were in into the city. And then the famine is in the city. We're going to die in the city. Some people say, well, if I go to church, I'm still, I still might die. Some people say, well, if I stay home, I'm still going to die. 
but how many of you know God has put a world in heaven and God has already started something in motion while you plotting to stay home or come to church? God done already bring your enemy away. He said, He said, So let us therefore fall into the host of experience. If they say it was alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. So they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Wow. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and the noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come to us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight, and they left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and they started eating and drinking. And they carried their silver and gold and raiment. And they went in and hid it. And they could. So look at what happened. The day before, now let me give you because you got to understand. In chapter 6, it was so bad. Chapter 6, verse 25, the Bible said there was a great famine in, in that place. How I many of you know famine is like a time of lack? It seems like you always have a shortage. Amen? It says, a donkey-head stole the day before for 80 pieces of silver. It was so bad, ate a donkey-head. Now, you don't even eat a donkey-head. But it was so scarce over there that they were buying donkey heads for 80 pieces of silver. And they were buying dove dung or dove waste. The Bible said a drop of dove waste was five pieces of silver. But the famine was so bad they were buying bird waste to eat. And they were spending everything they had to just thinking that maybe if I can cook the bird waste. Somebody say, that's a family. <laughs> it got so bad, the women would say this. Today, we're going to boil my child and eat it. And then tomorrow, we're going to turn and eat your child. The family was so bad, they started having cannibalism going on. Just trying to find something to eat. You ever been like that where you just didn't know where your next source of energy was going to come from? Your next blessing was going to come from? You, you, you just needed something to get you to the next moment. But God looked down at the family and He put a word in the atmosphere and He spoke to that family and He said, Tomorrow, if, if all you got to do is get up and do something. God is telling you, if you want to come out of your family, all you got to do is just start moving. Because he already set it in motion. He already set it in motion. The only thing God is telling you that you can't do is sit where you are and die. Because if you don't live, you're going to die. But he already spoke to the enemy to get out of your way. But if you make up in your mind that you're going to read the word of the Lord and you meet me after this word at this altar, everything. 
anything you would need God to do, it's going to be done at this altar. Somebody say, but you can't sit down and die. How many of us feel like just sitting down and dying? I need some real worshipers in here. I heard that carry about freedom. Somebody say, I refuse to sit here and die. I'm going to do something. Something they went into that city and they they, they was like, what just happened? Somebody said, God already done dying. Let us pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, for your word. For it's the word that you send that heals us. For it's the word that you send that gives us life. Father, the scripture says that man cannot live by bread alone, but his source of life is your word. For we have a spirit living inside of us, and it's the breathed word of God, it's the anointing word of God, it's the inspired word of God that hits our spirit, that hits our soul, and frees us from the elements of this world and gives us life, oh God. Send the word of God to touch our spirit that we may live. And Father, I bind everything that will come into your world today. Let it be flesh for us to eat. Let it be marrow for our bones. Let it revive us. Let it be nutrition. God, Solomon McKinnon says, help to the neighbors, marrow to the bone. God, send the world right now to touch somebody's heart and build them up in you. Spirit that would hinder your word today. Let our minds stay focused and locked in and concentrated and eat the word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody say amen as you take your seat. Somebody say, I'm not just going to sit here and die. Hallelujah. All right, so let's go up to this. Amen. I pray, amen, and, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, amen, if you follow me through this teaching series, these three messages, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I pray that you don't let anything fall to the ground, I pray you don't miss a moment, a principle, any understanding, because I guarantee you that if you grab a hold of this word that God has given me, it will change your life, Amen. All right, so let's get started. Let's go over here to the, so there's three questions or four. There's a few questions we got to answer that we're going to see answer today. We're going to understand what is first fruit, why is it so special to God, and what does giving God your first fruit speak to him? Amen. So we're going to talk about, we're going to get an understanding of what is first fruit, why does God want first fruit, and what does giving God our first truth speak to him? And now let us not think and be narrow-minded as we go into this teaching series, because it's not talking about just money. And it's not talking about principles or we're not coming and preaching the law. Amen. It's spiritual concepts that God put in place before the law was given. You can trace it all the way back to the book of Genesis. Amen. But as we follow and see through different dispensations of the Word of God, you will see it manifested in each era of God's Word. 
It's a it's a concept, it's a principle. Amen. So let's look at look at the word first. Let's go to our first scripture. Nehemiah chapter 10, verses 35 to 37. But let me just define what the word first fruit means. It's a Hebrew word that it's a word reshe or reshe. It's kind of a funny spelling. I don't speak Hebrew. But what it means is, it means the thing, the first of the thing. Y'all try to write these things down because you got you know, I'm going to be doing a lot of teaching on this. These are it's some principles. First, it means, Hebrew word means the first of a thing. It means the put a comma. It means the first of a harvest. Put a comma. It means the best of a thing. It means the beginning of a thing. It means the chief of a thing. It means first in place. It means first in time. It means first in order. And it means first in rank. So that word first fruits, I'm going to give you that list again. It means the first of a thing. It means the first of a harvest. It means the best of a thing. It means the beginning of a thing. It means the chief of a thing. It's first in place, first in time, first in order, and first in rank. So the first fruit of anything is the most important thing about it. It's the best thing it produced. It's the strongest thing it produced. It's the, it's the first and when, you, when you're talking about first fruits, that means when you, a day has 24 hours. When you wake up in the morning, the first fruit of the day is the best part of the day or the time when your mind is the clearest, the time when your body is the freshest. That's the time of your day that God wants. I'm preaching over you. <laughs> we wonder why we don't experience the best of God. It's because we don't give God the best of us. If you want to experience the best of God, then you have to learn how to give the best of yourself. You've got to learn how to give the best, the best part of your day. You've got to learn how to give the best part of your harvest. You've got to learn how to give the best part of whatever you have to offer to God. The very best of it, that's what you want. Now, you've got to understand something. You literally can miss out on enjoying walking in Christ and walking in God because God won't respect when you just give Him anything. Somebody say amen. All right. So let's read this over here in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 30. Let's see where I'm going. So y'all got the meaning of first fruit, right? Y'all got that. All right. Y'all see why it's spiritual, right? Hey. So let's go over to the book of Nehemiah, verses chapter 10. It says, and, bring, and to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of, of all fruit of the trees year by year to the house of the Lord. Next verse. 
also the firstborn of our sons, the head of our cattle, as it is written in the law. He said, in the first leaves of our herds, and the first leaves of our flocks to bring to the house of our God, unto the priest that ministered to our God, and that we should bring the first fruits of our dough and of our offerings, and the fruit of all manner of trees, and of wine, and of all, unto the priest, to the chambers of the house of our God, and the tithe of our ground unto the Levites. So that's telling you right there, when you read about that, what that's telling you is he's not talking about just money. What he's talking about, whatever your area of expertise is, whatever your area of specialty is, whatever your area, because that's why it's a concept, it's a principle. Whatever you do for the Lord, whatever you can bring to the Lord, if it's not coming in the spirit of your best, if it's not coming from you giving it cheerfully, if it's not coming from you with an attitude of, of see, with first fruit, this is something I want to know. Y'all ever, anybody ever heard of a book called Love Language? Oh, praise God. So y'all know what that's talking about. That's talking about when you're in a relationship, you don't, you learn how to love somebody according to what makes them happy. Right? You learn it, you get in a relationship with them and you ask them. You know, you learn about them, you learn their colors, you learn what they like to eat, you learn their personality, you learn who they are. And you try to do things that satisfy what they like. That's called the love. When you really love somebody, you want to do the things that please them. Okay? So, in order for God to be pleased, or in order for God to be satisfied, if you're not giving him the first fruit, or the very best of what you have to offer, you're not speaking his love language. The sad part about it is the church world feel like they can offer any type of service, anything to God, and God is just like, oh, I'm just so happy they gave me something. No, 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 that's not how it works. God looks for us to give Him our best. A true worshiper gives their best. A true worshiper don't let anything stop them from giving God their best. When you see, the love language is this. I know what you want me to do, so guess what? I'm going to do it on your terms. Wow. So these people knew that if God was going to be happy, and now, look at this. Turn with me to the ex- Exodus. Now, this is so good. So I said, I don't want y'all to miss any of this. Y'all follow me so far? Exodus chapter 13. Somebody say, God want the first part of your day. <laughs> Somebody say, God want the best part of your day. <laughs> say, God want the best of you. Somebody say, God wants your best. Now say it with a smile. Tell that to your neighbor and represent God. Say, God wants your best. Say, God wants what's first. God wants what's chief. God wants the excellence. Y'all, y'all, y'all have to be preaching there. All right. Now. Let's go to Exodus 13. Now, this scripture right here is literally beautiful. All right, now pay attention very carefully. 
He said, Thou that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix, and every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast, the male shall be of the Lord's. God said, in that covenant, he wanted the first thing that opened the womb. That word matrix, let me show you what that word matrix means. And now I'm really going to help you unblock some struggles you have in your life. I'm about to help you unlock some things. I'm about to help you, so I want you to get this. That word matrix means this. It's a synonym for the word room. Okay? And it's an environment or material in which something develops or is produced. Okay? All right. So what God is saying is, your matrix, that's a, in a woman, her womb is called the matrix. Okay? And usually, your firstborn child, that's when you're the youngest. You have your child when you're the youngest. So what happens is, that's when you're the strongest. So a lot of times, the firstborn child is the strongest child. But first, whenever Jacob began to talk to his sons and talk to them, he spoke to one of his sons. He said, you are my firstborn. He said, you are my strength and my might. Meaning when I was my youngest, first thing that I produced. So in my youth, I produced you. And that your birth proved my strength. So God said, the first thing that opens up your productivity in life, I want it. What is God telling you? If you want to be productive in any area of your life, the first thing that you set out to produce, that should go straight to God. Some of y'all looking like, man, what? But I suddenly say, boy, that's powerful. That's powerful for me. When God put man on earth, he told me in these words. He said, be fruitful or productive. But he gave him a concept of first fruits. What he was trying to tell him is, the first thing that you produce out of your business, or the first thing you produce in your relationship, the first thing you produce, that first thing, that's going to be the best thing. Give it to me. He said, and what that's going to do is, I'm going to step in and I'm going to touch the rest of what come out of that matrix, and I'm going to make sure that the rest of it is blessed if you give me the first. I think I want to, let me read that again. I'm in teaching mode, and I'm glad because I had something I left to see, so I got to try to stay calm. And that was the perfect time because I got a lot of concepts I need to get to you because God wants to make you more productive. Look what the scripture said. He said that when you bring it forth fruit, it said God will purge you so that you can bring forth more fruit. So what God is trying to get to you in this series is a lot of you trying to be productive in a lot of areas. There's a lot of things you're trying to find productivity of in your spiritual life, in your marriage, in your relationships. You're trying to be productive, but in order for you to reach the level of productivity that God has given you, 
That's the first of which you need to start putting in your life. First, you've got to start giving God your best. If you want God to bless what you're doing, you've got to start. Now, next week, I'm going to tell y'all right now what the message topic going to be. The title going to be, Move That Over. I'm going to work this series. When we come out of this series right here, your whole life going to be rearranged. Your prayer life going to be restructured. The way you do everything about you, you're going to start shifting it. You're going to start, you, anytime you see something come up that's blocking you from God, you're not going to even hesitate. You're going to start moving it over. Because God is going to start showing you what's stopping you from reaching the levels you're trying to reach. The reason I'm enjoying this theory so much is because Paul spoke to the Hebrews, the writer, and look what he began to tell them. He said, let us move on to perfection. He said, all y'all talking about in y'all churches, people being baptized, sending somebody to hell, the basics. He said, there's so much more that God is trying to get to you. God is ready to make you more productive. God is ready to teach you concepts of living, how to live on this earth. God is trying to teach you how to live a complete, abundant life. That's what Jesus died for. But now we're getting ready to move into new levels of teaching where we're going to start. If you still, if you've been in God 5, 10, 15 years, and you're still struggling with serving Him because you're scared to go to hell, somebody say, it's time to get it together. Somebody said there's so much more to God than that. Somebody said it's time to learn the word. Somebody said, let us go to perfection. Let us leave the basics. How many are ready to leave the basics? All right. As many of you, you got it in your heart to, to be married and start businesses and live a holy life and just the whole package of God. You need to know what's blocking you from getting to these levels. So God said, a matrix, let's understand what a matrix is or what a womb is. A womb is like your mind. It's the place where it comes in your mind what you want to do, okay? So whenever you want to do something, whenever you set out to do a thing, it starts to get in your spirit, and now what happens is it starts to materialize. It starts to develop. It gets on the inside of you. You think about it. You dream about it. You read about it. You cultivate it. You envision yourself being free from lust, free from all of these things. You see it. You see it. You see it. So it's been in your spirit and it's developing on the inside of there. But then you're like, but why am I keep getting stuck? Why am I continuing to not get the success that the Word of God has spoken that I'm supposed to have? You know why? Because your first fruits not going to God. Now let us not be so narrow-minded and think God is talking about just money. I'm going to keep drilling that through this series. That is a form of an expression to God. See, God does love a cheerful giver. Amen. But what does it matter if you give God all of your money, but you can't get free from depression? And you can't get free and you can't get the bondage off of you. But you like the Pharisees, I fast twice in a week, I give everything, I pay tithes off of you. What's good if you give all of that to God, but you don't experience nothing else? Somebody said there's a whole package to this. 
Oh, y'all say amen. Somebody say amen. See, there's a whole package to this. So the matrix, God said, okay, so now let me give you some layman terms. I'm going to use Brother Care for a moment. You know what? This is what, see, he's an excellent, I don't know if y'all follow him, but he's an excellent yard man. Okay? So I'm going to just use that to show y'all a concept. Okay? Let's say he got his business going, boom, 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 he rolling. Or let's say you're trying to start, or he started. When they were doing the Bible, they would go out there, they would cut their first yard, because that's when you're most excited about your business. That first one, that's when you're like, man, I'm about to make it work. I'm about to make it. It's not about how much you make on the yard. You take that first little 56 to 80, and you say, I'm giving it to you, God. Because this one, I was the most excited. This one, I had the most energy. This one, I was feeling the strongest. God, that's yours. Whenever I get off the room, it's going to you. And what it does, it connects you to a system. Or it connects you to a principle. A, the world works on principles. One word for principle is concept. One word for concept is law. One word for law is rule. All of these things are interchangeable. Meaning, once you learn the concept, the principle, the rule, or the law, you just plug it into your life and it works. Amen? So... First fruit, when you're going to get your first fruit and give that to God, what that is, first fruits, they speak to God. They talk to God. You can talk to God more with your actions than with your words. Look what God said. He said, they honor me with their lips, but the hearts are far from me. The first fruit given to God is an act of the heart. God would rather you be and give your best and do a whole bunch of talking and don't give them nothing. Because your actions are what communicate to God more than what you say. All right. Amen. Let's go over here to Proverbs chapter 3. I hope y'all are getting this with me. Y'all following me so far? Somebody say, Lord, I'm going to do better. Somebody say, Lord, from now on, you get my best, my first, first of my time, the best of my everything, my first fruit, born to you. All right, let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. And it's got to be in your heart, amen. Now we're going to get to the good part. Amen. I just did a little groundwork. Proverbs chapter 3. Oh, this is verse 14. Okay, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to show you how this works. Okay, y'all ready? Honor the Lord. With thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So, what he's telling you is this is a hard posture that you take all the days of your life. 
what he's saying is, is number one, what demon God your first fruit, it speaks that you honor him. When you give God your best, when you're communicating to God, is God number one? You are the first of why I got it. You are the reason why I got it. And by, by me acknowledging and recognizing that you are the source of my life, the first thing that I produce is going to you. That's why the author say, honor the Lord with your substance. He didn't say honor him with your lips. He said honor him by what you give to him. Jesus. Why y'all quiet on me today? Y'all, y'all checking me out? So just say, I'm, he said, I'm proving it. I love him. That's what I love. I love it. <laughs> so you say, you checking me out. But you see what that communicates? When you give God your best, you're communicating to him. God, I honor you. You're the source, or you're the reason why I have what I have. So you're communicating honor to him. You're communicating that you love him. You are speaking to God on a spiritual level. You're communicating him a love language. You are telling him that I'm going to inspect everything that I have, and if it's not the best of what I have to offer, I'm not giving it to you. Amen. I'm going to give you something simple. If you come and you, amen, clean up, when you walk away, you should say, I don't want to see a spot. I don't want to see a wrinkle. You communicate to God. If you sing, and I want to hit every note. I don't care how long it takes. I'm not going to stop until we got it sounding just like the CD. See, that starts in your heart. When you really honor God, you are not going to stop until what you are producing or what you are giving to Him is excellent. Not an A, not an A minus, A plus. Anybody ready to be A plus? See, naturally, some of you smart, so you probably made B's and C's just like not even trying. But A plus means you gotta take your time, you gotta study, you gotta slow down, you gotta concentrate. In order to you you don't give God your best. If giving God your best has to be intentional. It has to be on purpose. You gotta rearrange your life. In order to give God your best, there's things you gotta clear out of the way. You know why your prayer life is not fervent? Because you give it to him at 10 at night. After you done stressed all day, after you done worked all day, after everybody got on your nerves, then you got an old man, I got to pray. So at 10, 10, by 10, 10. But when you rise up in the morning, before the devil tell you negative things, before you can get in the argument, before you put that music on, and you set the mood of the day, that's what God came to me now, in the cool of the day, away with all this sloppiness, and we just pray when we feel like then we complain about no joy, no strength, no proof. You don't have the strength in God because you're not giving them the first proof of your brain. If you want to feel the fullness and the abundance of God, you got to give them the first of your brain. Because the first of your brain is the best of your brain. 
true worshiper will bring the delight to worship God. A true worshiper, you got to be the word Wednesday nine. But let's do six. I'm going to use an early time because none of you can just roll out of bed at your time. You got to get there for nine. It ain't hard. But you got to be there for six. You know what a true worshiper going to do? You're going to wake up at four and somebody say, oh, you yeah, but it was that night before. Go to bed out of here. Two worshipers change their life around. If you really want to connect with God, you've got to start rearranging. You've got to start reordering things. You, it's got to be on purpose. How do we set date night to keep out of bed with good, but we don't set prayer time? You've got to start setting prayer time. It's got to become intentional. You've got to man, you've got to be, I mean, you've got to do it on purpose. Because your salvation will always be bland and burned and dry and stale. The devil always don't have the meaning of you because you're not giving God, you're not serving God on purpose. You gotta serve him on purpose. And when you're in love, you know, hey, when you're in love, real love, oh man, she left two hours away. Okay, I gotta go to bed because I gotta finish up. I got a two hour drive. I gotta go see my girl. I guarantee you, when you see y'all and y'all, y'all be in love. You know the thing you start rearranging the so you can be in love? See, be in love, that's on schedule, that's on purpose. God is with God. If you want to really experience the heart of the Lord, you gotta do it on purpose, I'm telling you. The night before, hey, I love y'all. Why are you going to bed so early? Because me and God gotta talk at four in the morning. Say it one more time. Don't stay after you scroll. Because if you're giving God your first fruits and then you're giving him your word, some of the things that you're scrolling, you're going to get. 
testing of the mind is when I get more, I'll give more. But the way the concept works is that he that's faithful in the least will be faithful over much. Because that's a character he's talking about. He's talking about a character of a person that no matter what they have, they're going to honor God with it. So don't let the enemy trick you when you say, well, when I get this new job, I'm going to start being a blessing for the ministry. Man, it's not about that. If the best you have, if you make $200, give God a 20 Don't worry about it. Well, I don't have as much as something. That's not the point. The point is, give the best that you have. It's not about how much, it's about is it your best. It's not about how much, but what is your best? And giving your best to God, it connects you to a system that just stops working for you. Oh. That's why this is a faith walk. That's why it's a faith walk. Because let me tell you something. It's not your best if it don't hurt you and it make you uncomfortable. But when you talk about it, that's not your best. I remember being an athlete. You know what my best was? When I would play so hard, cramp was never coming. That's when it was my best. That's when you go to the right room and you work out so hard, you walk out of there feeling like you can barely move your arm. That means you worked out good today. Somebody say, well, man, I come out of the way room, I'm stiff, I'm so You did something. If your life is comfortable and God not challenging you, you're not giving your best. But if you can feel God dealing with you, if those trials are pushing you, they're, they're, they're driving you, then you're in the midst of a transmission period right now. God trying to increase you. Somebody say, but it's hard. But it's God. It's the process. It's a system. It works. Oh my God. I hope y'all enjoying this word because I'm enjoying it. It's changed my life. (laughs) There you go. God bless you. Now look at so three things happen. I'm gonna read verse ten. So shall that is not so shall so shall means if you're given the first fruit, if you're doing your best by doing that, thy bones shall be filled with plenty, and thy presence shall burst out with new wine. Now let us not string this concept down to just one thing. What God is telling you is this: every area of your life will be plentiful and spilling over when you give God your best. He said, "So share," meaning this is how you reach plentifulness. This is how you reach freedom. This is how you reach holiness. This is how this is how you reach the levels in God by giving us. Once you give the first fruit, you increase and plenty from the stuff follows you everywhere you go. They're not talking about just money. Though that's in the package, give them the best, give them the best. But he's trying to teach you the concept so that your whole life, you want a fruitful marriage. How many of you want a fruitful marriage? You want fruitful friendships. You want to be fruitful in the Holy Ghost. You want to, you want to be filled with the 
love and joy, love and peace, guess what you've got to start planting? If you don't plant it, where's it going to come from? If you plant anger at home, guess what's going to come up in your home? If you plant good morning, guess what's going to come back? If you plant how you doing today, guess what's going to come back? Trying to teach you how this thing works. It's powerful. Telling you this power. So, now let's go over here. Wow. Now let's go to Genesis. All right. Let's go to Genesis. Man, I hope this blesses somebody. Chapter 4, verse 1. Amen. Genesis chapter 4, verse number 1. All right, y'all ready? And Eve, she conceived bare Cain and said, I've got a man from the Lord. That was a person. She bare again his brother. His name was Abel. Now look at this. This is beautiful. Abel was a people of the sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. They offered two different things. They had two different areas of expertise. They had two different things that they were masters in. Cain knew how to go out there in that ground and make sure everything was lined up just right. He understood the seasons. He understood the times. He understood how to manage it. The Bible says he tilled it. So Cain could look out at a hard piece of property and God just put wisdom in him. Okay, it's not time to plan. It's time to break the ground. Like he was a master at that. Abel was a master at managing the sheep. He knew how to keep them together. He knew how to fleece them. Everything pertaining to sheep, God gave Abel expertise in it. So in process of time, meaning that as they perfected their craft, then it came up to where, look what happened. In process of time, it came to pass that came brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of what? They both brought some. But Abel brought what? What did he brought that In his heart, would a healthy sheep look like? And would a diseased sheep look like? So I believe Abel walked out there and he looked at the sheep with the healthiest wool, with the straightest back, with the strongest legs, the fluffiest fur, the one the most flesh on him. And he kept looking and looking. See, when you bring this up in God, you gotta be careful what you bring. He studied those sheep. And after he studied the herd, and he studied them, and he studied them, and he found one that was the very best, and he said, okay, that's the one I'm going to give him to God. Because if I give this to God, he's going to make sure I keep producing sheep for the rest of my life. you got to be consistent with your giving to God. you got to be consistent with your offer to God. you got to be consistent in your prayer time. you got to be consistent in your reading time. you got to you gotta make this a way of life. 
That's not too good. So look what happened. Cain was very wrong. And his countenance fell. Now I'm going to ask you, how intelligent is that for life for being very productive because God is getting the best from him, so God is blessing his young. Is it really an intelligent human behavior to be upset at a person that's progressing in life and you know you're not giving your best? Is that really intelligent living when you can be giving your best just like the next man? No, the next man is not lucky. No, the next man. I don't care who's trying to hold you back. When you start giving your best, an open door for you that no man can close. Stop blaming the man for your lack of success. You're not giving your best. Well, this person just know that person get up earlier. <laughs> when you dragging, they working. <laughs> when you being lazy, they going to get it. You know, it's not unfair. <laughs> Life is not unfair. There's principles that work in the world where people play politics on job. Of course, you can make you the head and not the tail. You've got to create a position for you. You say being sons of God in the midst of a crooked and a perverse. God will find a way to get you where He wants you to go, no matter who's trying to stop you. To where people show racism, of course, the kingdom of God, that He's cooking systems that. Now, if you're not getting up in the morning before God, God can't give you wisdom on how to maneuver through these crooked systems that we live in. I mean, you can see before you have a relationship and have a time of trouble. Why? Relationship with me. So somebody say, don't be like that and get mad at somebody that's blessed. So that means. I love little babies and children. They don't have to preach. That's why Jesus likes to have the children around them, because they're innocent, they just ready to go. <laughs> but somebody said, don't be like Cain. God asked Cain, what's your man for? <laughs> That's what God asked him, some of you, what's your man for? You know your prayer life is dry. Why you mad at me because the devil rats in your head? Why you mad at that brother that's moving on and growing in the Lord? You don't pray like them. Why you mad at them? They're giving their best, their first fruit. They're going to move on and they're going to grow in the Lord. What you mad for? Somebody say, what you mad for? Walking around all angry and upset and building, you're not putting the work in. Mad at the world, and you in school goofing off, playing around, not 
studying, not getting your assignment, and you're mad at the straight A student. What you mad for? The straight A student in the library studying for the final. You in the club, then you come. They always making A's. They always getting a favoritism. They always you in the club when you should be studying. Somebody say, what you mad for? You out there chasing girls and boys when you're supposed to be getting your work done. Too many of Nobody want to give me a job. How many applications you put? One man beat the pavement every day, putting 10, 15, 20. Somebody out of 15, 20, 40 applications like that weary woman. Something going to shake. Somebody say something going to shake. You keep on knocking like that widow woman. Something goes dead. Sooner or later, God's going to open the door. And you put one in one day, wait about five days. You know how many candidates you got? LinkedIn, Indeed, Monster, Career Builder. You got all these people looking for employees, and you just throw one and disappear. No, you got to be diligent. You got to say, I'm God's son. Somebody give me a job. Somebody got some work for me somewhere. God going to open the door for me because I'm going to do my work. God's going to open the door. God's going to open the door. I just read to y'all in that exhortation when God told him, don't sit there and die going to sit God can open the door. So you just got to stay persistent. They say, knock and the door's going to be open. Lord, we got to run pain out of the church like I can. We got to give him. I need to work on pain. See, pain was an envious person. He was lazy. He didn't care nothing about the things of God. But he wanted the success that somebody that put the work in there. We gotta get pain out of our mind. We gotta bring the spirit of pain down. We gotta pull pain down and get him out of the church. Because when you live like pain, you're gonna live like pain. You're gonna be bitter and mad at people that's doing the work. And you're gonna always be bitter, upset, regretful. I wish I would have done this. I would stop living like pain. And stop hating Abel. Okay, now let me give you a warning. They're going to have some kings looking at you, hey, want to be like you. They're not going to want to pray like you, better like you, work like you. But they're going to be sitting around trying to bring you down, gossiping on you, talking about you, all of that. While you working, they gossiping. Don't be like that. Keep on working, neighbor. Keep on increasing. Keep on shining. Keep on living for God. God going to keep blessing you. Keep giving God your best. And if you're living like Cain, become a new creature. Some sister said, oh my God. <laughs> you all know, got a lot of Cain's. I know where I come from. My background, a lot of Cain's. I leave a lot of Cain's. People used to laugh at me. I asked me to tell you, a teenager, I want to be a ball player. I get my ball, down the street, driven. Working on it, working on it. Going to the park, working on it, working on it. All of the time, at it, at it, at it. 
self-motivated, working on it, working on it, giving my best, boom, doors start opening. And I'm doing my drills. I hear the ones that I hear them pain. I don't know why you're doing all of that. You ain't going to be done anyway. I don't know why you're doing all that. You're not going to make it. I don't know why you're doing all that. I used to do that. I thought I was going to make it too and they do that. I'm a young man trying to find my way. Billy, me on you walking like Cain. He came but the spirit. The spirit of Cain is lazy, and all they want to do is hate on everybody that's doing good. Don't let none of Cain's DNA be in you. Somebody look at your neighbor on the left and say, Quit the work in. I said, put your work in. Somebody looked at me and they said, well, how do you get all that out of the Bible? Because I put work in. <laughs> I the discipline that it took for me to get to full scholarship level Louisiana All-Star Discipline MVP, I got the concept. I know what it takes. You got to put work in to do that. You can't just stumble on that. And so it is in God. How are you going to rise and become anything in God? And the only time you get in your world is when I say turn to Nehemiah chapter 10. Some people are like, Matrix, what's a Matrix, a movie? <laughs> they thought I was talking. They people didn't even know Matrix was in the Bible. What's up, I ain't talking about Keanu Reeves taking the blue pill and the red pill. <laughs> I ain't guys, I'm trying. But see, when I start researching the topic, I just thought, I might ask you a question. You don't even know. I said, man, what's that movie was about? Because I didn't watch the series. And he started, you know, I was listening. I said, no, that's not what God's talking about. That's not it. But I was in the research phase. I was in the information gap. See, you got to study a long time. You might study and come out with one point. And that's why you're going to hell. Because you ain't studying. You ain't got nothing new. You ain't got nothing new to help somebody get free. So make when I read you. If you want to be a servant of God, you got to put time in that world. to prove unto God a workman that need not be ashamed. It's embarrassing the world level of knowledge people have that's been. Sometimes I'll be like, Put your work in if you want to be sharp. Say, put your work in. If you want to be powerful in God, you got to put your work in. about anything and then complain about the church. Huh? Wrong answer. I don't see that Holy Ghost fall at this altar too many times. I'm not going to let somebody that's late. 
for dedication to God to complain about everything that go on. When you, when I sense power on you, when I sense that you've been before God, I can sense it. I'm somebody that's really seeking God and have some constructive Somebody that's putting in no work in God and just sit around and complain. You know how I know? Because you're doing it on your job. That's just pain. That's just how you are. You don't care about putting in work. You just complain about everything. I know the difference. You better believe I know the difference. I might not tell you the difference, but I'm reading you. When you come around me talking, I'm just trying to feel something. I shouldn't tell y'all that. I'm telling y'all too much about my story. <laughs> trying to spend time. I'm trying to get a witness in my spirit. I know the difference if you've been seeking God and God say, hey, oh, man, won't you try this? Because the spirit that you come in going to be different than somebody that's not putting in work and they just negatively complain about it. You complain about church, your husband, your job. That's just pain inside of you. You ain't putting work in. See, your positive mind is like Abel. When you want to give your best, your mind works different. I know the difference in a mind that's after excellence versus a mind that's lazy and not putting work in. Don't believe I don't know the difference. I know the difference in those that have the same spirit and passion. And it's after greatness, like I'm after greatness. Don't think I don't know the difference. That's why everything don't move me. And when you rising up, putting your work in, spending time with you, everything not going to move you. Paul said, that should be no more children tossed. If you see a toss in your mind, you're a child. That has been 15 years. Every little thing you hear, you say you're like a wave of the sea, tossed to and fro. I mean, the devil can hit you with this and toss you over here. He's just playing with you, then he's hit you with this room and toss you over here. Then he throw another, they said this about you, toss you over here. Or they said, don't. But the Bible said we should be rooted in Christ, grounded, settled in the truth. You don't get settled in this if you're not putting your work in. I'm settled. Got a clear, clear mind. Hand is level. on the plow. What's back there? Jesus said, if you look back, you ain't fit. You ain't settled. I don't. A lot of you, we trying to qualify you for ministry. That's what them trials about. We trying to qualify you. We trying to see if you fit. But every time something comes, you can't. You touch the plow, plow, plow. You touch the plow. Touch the plow. See, when you start plowing, it gets hard. That ground is easy. Well, keep your hand on that plow and just keep on plowing. Just keep on moving. Keep on going. Keep on going. All of your ears focus on the plow. All of your mind needs to be focused on the plow. All of your resources need to stay on the plow. Because the minute you look back, the energy level going to drop. You can't just plow when it's good. Just like that. 
something if you're not looking at your future. The Bible said if they were mindful, listen to the concept. He said you're going to have opportunity to go back. What he's telling you is your mind misfocus opens the door for you to go backwards. But when your mind is locked in, you're not giving it no leeway. Oh, God. I want to be like Abel. Because somebody said, I'm not going to be like Cain no more. Somebody said, I'm not going to hate on somebody. Let's give them their best. I'm going to do my best. So God told Cain, he said, Cain, what's your man for? He said, what God told him. And I, I know how God talked. He just told him. He was in the teaching moment. Because this is the first time it's ever happened. See, the first time the Lord asked Cain, he said, why are you, why are you upset? And Cain didn't even answer. But in his mind, yeah, you, so you got to respect the person. Now think about it. Now this is coming to me. In his mind, I see God, you, you want to come talk, but you want to bless me and you want to bless me. You, you want to bless Cain. You want to give Cain all, Abel all the best of everything. And you are all in heaven excited about what Abel did. But you look at mine and you didn't want to bless me. But you know how that is? You just stand there mad. What's wrong with you? I don't want to talk. I started with Cain. So when Cain didn't open his mouth, God deserved him. He said, if you do well, you'll be accepted. He was trying to tell Cain, even though you don't want to talk to me, I know why you're mad. See, God knows why you're upset. God knows why you're disturbed. God knows you're looking at that brother or that sister that's moving forward in life, and he knows why you. God has sent me to tell you, tell you, stop being mad at blessed people. Do what blessed people do, and you're going to be blessed just like me. Stop being mad at blessed people. God can take you out of the dark here and set you amongst princes. It don't matter where you thought. It's about your walk with God. So God began to tell Cain, stop being like that. Be like Abel. In other words, find somebody that's doing than you. Now, this is a mistake people make. When they get around somebody that's doing better, and do all the talking. So you get around somebody that's doing better than you, be humble enough to get in that serpent. Learn. The Bible said a wise man will hear and increase by learning. Meaning the more you learn, the more you are increasing as a person. You don't have to get improved what you know. That's what you know in the word. Well, I'm trying to help my people. <laughs> if you see somebody on a level you're trying to get to, take the brain. Study them. Man, I see they, they driving this, they never going to be okay. I need to. It's okay. That's how I want to be. It's not about comparing yourself. Because good brother and good sister, they're going to be ready to pour into you. They're going to be ready to share experiences with you. 
when God told Cain back in way in Genesis when all of this hating started. So y'all think that just started today? Hating on people started way in Genesis. Somebody say, stop hating. Hey, ain't nothing worse than being a hater. I ain't gonna lie to you. Now, one thing I can honestly say about myself, I ain't gonna lie to nobody. I have never been a hater. I'm gonna be honest. That I can speak from a clear conscience. I don't hate on nobody. I'm too busy worrying about what I got. I got a beautiful wife. But I need to hate on somebody. Look at my wife. Look at that girl. I mean, come on, man. I gotta, what I got to hate on somebody for? I got my own. Not a wife and hate on somebody with a wife. I wish she was like a water your grass. <laughs> Let us stop. Let us stop envying other people's marriages. And let us stop comparing our spouses to other You don't look like sisters. That's the worst thing you can do is tell your partner they don't do what another brother or sister do. That is the worst marital practice you could ever have in your house. I got on that. But that's that Cain and Abel spirit. Okay, that's what I'm preaching on. Don't compare your husband to nobody. Why? Because Cain and Abel brought two separate things. They had two different levels of expertise. Paul said comparisons are not wise. Why? Because we are different. Somebody say, water your grass. Then I got a handsome son. Why I got to hate on somebody? Look at my son. Stella Wacker, handsome. <laughs> got a beautiful daughter. You know, I, and a great son that I love like my own. Look at him back there. Great kid, man. I love that guy. You see what I'm saying? So I don't, you know, and if you would look around at the things that God has blessed you with, if God bless you with a wife or a husband, you're going to hit tough times sometimes. Times you may even, it might not work out. But don't let the tough times of life make you get bitter on the rest of your future. Somebody say, don't stop living. Start playing. Ooh, that's powerful right there. <laughs> playing can open you up to a whole new life. We go through some hard things in life sometimes. I'm going to be honest with you. We go sometimes some things hit us and it just knocks the wind out of you. The Apostle Peter described it like this, heaviness to manifold temptation. Sometimes we go through some heavy things and sometimes we can't even explain it. But a true worshiper does like Job. They shake their head and worship. When you don't understand why you can't figure it out, just do like Job. Thank God I don't understand it. Explain it. I don't even know what's the point. I don't know what's the reason, but I'm going to get myself in church and maybe I'm going to hear the right song that can lift me up because all the days of my point of time, I'm going to wait till my chance comes. God, don't you slay me. I'm still going to trust you. Don't you slay me. I'm still going to trust you. Don't you slay me. I don't understand. 
they cause they will count it as sheep for the slaughter all day long. Sometimes it can seem like trifle like the trial of the trial. You just got to get killed. Sometimes it can feel like that. Sometimes it can get tough, my big cousin said. My cousin said he came to God with three dollars in his pocket. I know my cousin. I watched him grow up. Wanted to be like it. Had money, cars, rims, way back, athlete, everything. Gave his life to God. Boom, three dollars. I know him to have a temper. Don't hustle again. Get back on the cut. Endure that in God's way for more. I know what the hood like. I don't know nothing about me one day. Amen. I know what that's like. Amen. My little brother back there has six, seven of them. Got to get your girls quick. I sure. But make sure you get it. Five boys. I want me to have six. Six boys in there. Gotta hurry up. Sean coming in there, Allie coming in there, Daryl coming in there, Josh coming in there, John is coming in there. You better get me. My sister can tell that she's coming through. But you gotta wait till daddy eats, though. You wanna work hard and make it possible. So why the Bible say, honor your parents. Honor them. You don't understand their struggle. You don't know what they go through to keep their job. You don't understand how hard it is to raise kids sometimes. Always, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Be thankful. Even if you don't understand it, obey them. The Bible says, children, obey your parents, because that's the first commandment with a promise tattoo. Because you're not going to understand your parents until you become one. When you become one, then you're going to say, oh, man, LG went through that. <laughs> you mean to tell me my mama used to juggle bills? You mean to tell me she used to have to eat half of the food to make sure I eat? You mean to tell me sometimes she went hungry to make sure she fed me? Oh, mama, I'm sorry. <laughs> Some of you owe your parents an apology because you treat them bad. Some of you need to honor your parents because you don't understand to keep you with me. Well, I only have one pair of shoes. You got what on your feet? Oh, what you said you had on your feet? Oh, you got shoes on your feet, okay. Mama, thank you for my shoes. <laughs> Mama, I don't have two niggas. I got Levi's on. Why you don't buy? You got what on? You got oh you got some, oh you got some clothes on. Oh. Mama, why we always eating red beans and rice with baked chicken and some cornbread? I went to Johnny's house and they had some ribeyes and some potatoes and all. Why we all oh, you you ain't one, you kidding? Oh, you got full. Oh, you full. Oh. Oh, that cornbread wasn't burned. You know how hard it was to get to that? Look at the other bread. Y'all even, none of y'all starving. Y'all even got a little extra weight on. You. You're craving extra food in the trash. 
and complain. You got extra to put in the trash. Complain. Somebody say, "Bless God, right where you are." Bless Him right where you are. Bless Him at the bottom, all the way to the top. Let me close this message up. Let's close this up. Somebody say you're preaching and you're a day. Bless the Lord. He told him if you do well, you'll be accepted. And so when you go to the book of Hebrews, y'all can close your Bible. When you go to the book of Hebrews, the Bible talks about, now let me teach you something about giving God your best. See, when you give God your best, your first fruit, you honor the Lord. And let me tell you something. Giving God your best, sometimes, man, let's say you made $1,200. And you got to give God a I don't even want to say it like that. That don't No, but no, I don't want to give it. That's not good terminology. God loves a cheerful giver. See, God, see, God shouldn't have to regulate what we give to Him. We should just love Him and look forward to Him. God shouldn't have to tell us, honor me, bless me, give to me. He's so good, He told Abraham, I'm the one giving you the power to get the wealth. Now I'm going to help you overcome another hurdle with one scripture. Well, I kind of finished my other point. Let me hear it. So the first point was, don't gradually say, man, I'm going to put this $120 to God. So, man, this is the first food. I worked hard to get this, but God gave me the strength. I'm going to bless God with this $120, $12. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart and the posture of your heart. That's what God looking at. You're giving it to God. And then the scripture says, whatever you do, do unto the Lord. So when you give it to the work of God, to the house of God, pray and say, God, I'm giving this unto you. But those that you have put as stewards over my heart, earned income, give them the wisdom. Give them the knowledge. Help them to govern it right. Help them to use it for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Never hold back what you give it to God. Because of what people do. Because God will get me. God will get me. And whoever mishandles God's income, God will deal with them and get them for that. But seasons come and go. God has brought you here in five years. He may have you working somewhere else in ministry. But the concepts and the principles that should follow you all of your life so if you haven't been giving God your best, say, man, I'm going to give God my best. Because you got you don't know where God is going to take you. So don't withhold from God for no reason. Honor the Lord with your time, your resources, your energy. If you can sing, sing with all your might. Don't be sloppy with nothing you do. If God bless you to make ten grand a month, you smile giving him this thousand. But if he got you where you only make a thousand a month, you smile just as hard giving your hundred. 
Because it's not about how much, it's about you giving it to God. Man, I hope I'm helping somebody today. <laughs> Y'all stand up. Y'all stand up. Somebody say, I'm going to honor my God. And I'm going to read this definition to you again. And this is how we're going to honor God. And I'm going to give y'all what first fruit means again. I'm going to honor God with the first of my things. Y'all read that with me. Come on, let's make some declarations in this place. Say, I will honor God with my first fruit, which is the first thing I produce. The first of my harvest, the best of my things, the beginning of a thing, the chief of a thing. Now I will be first place. I will give God my first time. God will have the first order. God will be first in rank. I will seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else will be added unto me. Now let's say that again. From this day forward, I will seek first the kingdom of God and everything else that the Gentiles seek after and worry about is going to be added to me. Somebody say, good health is coming my way. Holy living is coming my way. Godly living is coming my way. Peace is coming my way. Joy is coming my way. Prosperity is coming my way. A great marriage is coming my way. Great friendships coming my way. Raise is coming my way. Y'all not ready, man. Now, y'all got to help me pull something out of the hand. Say, I will no longer live like Cain. I will hate on nobody. I will always be like Abel, which means giving God my first fruits, which is my very best. I believe we're pulling some things down. Man, I enjoyed myself today. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Now, I got something coming for y'all. I think I'm going to do an upside down service. I'm trying to figure that out. Y'all know what that is? I'm going to preach before praise and worship. So if I was you, I don't know when I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm in a mode right now where God just dropping things on me, so I don't know when it's going to happen. I, I did give y'all a heads up, though. Y'all might come in at 10.30, 10.40, and all y'all going to see is the praise team jamming. No, about 11.10, because I got to come to some of my preachers. after 11. And then they're going to say it's time for all the time. Y'all going to say, well, what happened? When you're giving your best, you get ready for Sunday, Saturday night. When you get giving, 
night. Saturday night, we get ready. You know, when people used to come before God and offer to God, they would be prepared themselves. Because a lot of times you had to travel long distances to worship. So it was like a plan, and this thing was an event. You had to plan it. And that's how your Sunday should be. This is the day when God comes and gives us word and praise and worship. When we get toward the end of the week, we got to start blocking out all the distractions and say, okay, man, by 945, we need to be in there locked and loaded, ready to go. Oh, man, why couldn't get an amen on that? Y'all can come on my amen. Y'all amen all the other stuff. Let's give them our best, y'all. Let's make our second year as we get ready to go into this second year in July. We want to make it excellent. We want to be here before 10, Bible study before 7.30. If you were in auxiliary, you wanted excellent everything you do in the second year. That first year was we was going through challenges and getting to know each other, starting fresh. But now we got that. This second year is a year of building. Amen. It's a year of now. It's time to build something great for the Lord. Amen. So let us embrace this second year with a new mind, a new energy, and a new heart. What you say, please? All right. I'm going to ask y'all to come meet me at the altar. We get ready to go. Look at that, boy. That's what I'm talking about. Ooh, beautiful, man. God said, I see See, that's what I'm talking about. People come up singing. Beautiful. Yes, come on, y'all. This is going to be a good prayer. I wouldn't be a with you. Well, y'all sing y'all song, man. They sing it at the altar. Hallelujah. Come on, come and look closer, y'all. We got room for everybody. 